Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. All right, welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. Um, I'm a little hoarse today, so y'all bear with me, but uh, I had my friend Michael come on, and I was super excited, so I did not want to reschedule this. And uh, Michael Treza, he uh, did TED Talk with me a couple of months ago. Um, his came out. It's amazing, and so we'll talk about that some today. But, dude, I'm so glad to have you. Um, we got to eat dinner together, and I got to spend some time with your family um, after the talk, and just you guys just loved on me and you know, were there for me when I didn't have anybody around me at the time because uh, my family wasn't able to go. So I just thank you for that. And what you talked about um, is so in line with so many of the things I talk about when it comes to technology, but it was also new information and so different than some of the ways that I talk about it. And so uh, thank you for coming on, and I hope we can have a, a fun, good conversation. So tell the tell the tell my listeners kind of who you are, what you do, um, where you're at currently, and then we'll kind of walk that back. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's it's been an amazing experience getting to know you and uh, and know meet you a month or two ago. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking today. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, my name is Michael Treza. Um, I live in San Diego. I've been a technology entrepreneur for the last 22, 23 years, maybe more at this point. Jeez, I've been saying that for a while. And um, when my daughter was born six years ago, everything sort of changed for me. And I, and I really realized that my responsibility to the world and responsibility to her um, was, was all different. And I decided to get involved in the education space because I saw that the world was changing faster than it ever has been before. And there were, there were a lot of gaps in between um, how schools and, the, and, I, and I suppose society is preparing our kids to succeed and thrive in what I what I see as an incredibly dynamic future. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, starting in the technology space and now um, now an education entrepreneur and uh, I have a six year old little girl. She'll be six in a month and a beautiful wife and we live in San Diego and yeah, and that's that's me. Gotcha. That's well, me. What led you? Kind of tell me your story. Kind of, your, have you been yeah. from San Diego your whole life? What led you to no. to where you are now? However much of that yeah. you want to talk about. I am from sure. Yeah, I'm from New Jersey originally. Okay. Born and raised in New Jersey. Spent summers down at the Jersey Shore <clears throat> and went to college in Maryland, University of Maryland, College Park. And um, you know, I've always been interested in, and I've always been a climber, a camper. Loved the outdoors. Loved hiking, and. Um, Living in Brooklyn after college and Jersey City, uh, there was there was this really like magnetic pull to not leave the city on weekends or to be outdoors for things. And it was really um, when I was in my 30s, it was just sort of uh, it was rubbing me the wrong way. It just something felt really missing and out of alignment. So I decided I, I needed to move out west and and really change things. And um, and moving out west was a quality of life decision for me. Just 
a way for me to to be more intentional about spending time with the things that gave me life and energy. That's awesome. Yeah, so originally from New Jersey, and I moved to San Diego in 2009. Okay. And um, I, I opened a, an office in La Jolla, and um, that turned out to be one of the best decisions ever. My um, my wife, who owned a company, she owned actually a learning center, a number of learning centers in San Diego, and her office was directly next to mine. And she wandered in one day looking for some technology help, and I was uh, I was all ears for that conversation. <laughs> you were happy to give her some help in technology. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, so she got lifetime tech support, and I got a beautiful wife and an incredible daughter out of that. <laughs> That's amazing. So did yeah. the combination of her learning her learning center stuff and, and just what you had going on, how did that come together? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, very much so. So um, being a futurist and a technologist and always, you know, for always be, being really interested and curious about how technology was influencing society and the world and our future, um, and then bringing that to the table where, where she was uh, she was very informed and interested in how we're educating our kids, how we're how we're solving the problems of um, of preparing them for for the f their futures. Um, so in those conversations, we we just had you know a lot of engagement around around the gaps between those things. I would tell her about what I see uh, is coming, and she would tell me uh, or she would she'd be so surprised at how we're not solving the problem of preparing them for what's coming. Um, so yeah, that, that was absolutely the, the, the foundation and it created the, um, the, the it was the seeds of, of giant leaps right there. That's right. So giant leaps is the company you have now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. So tell us about that. Yeah. So giant leaps is an after school enrichment program for high school students at, at this point, um, eighth graders on, on up through high school. And what we do, I like to think of what we do is future proof kids. We, we want to get them engaged in the conversation about where the world is going. We want them to understand their strengths, really understand their strengths and their interests, and from that develop a, a sense of confidence and resilience. We want them to, um, we want to give them what we call global awareness. So what, what that is, is, um, is an understanding and a curiosity about the, the forces at work that are changing the world, right? What's the workforce going to look like? I've, I've got a six-year-old daughter. Um, when she's 25, what's the world going to look like? What are her career options going to look like? Um, uh, how are we going to communicate? How is society going to be, be different? We want kids to engage in that conversation. We've got some really fascinating ways to, to allow that and prompt that. Um, my picture is it's, it's really going to be difficult to be relevant in the workforce of the future if you're not curious about it um, early on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I was going to say in the third sort of thing, like self-awareness, global awareness. And the third thing for us is, is really critical thinking skills. So we want to give kids razor sharp critical thinking skills, the ability to find information online, the ability to discriminate between good and bad information, and then use that in, use that information to make better decisions. We think is a really, really important thing these days that is often not well taught in schools and it's very difficult to test for. Yeah. Why do you think, um, well, maybe not why you think, hmm. what are some of the, uh, barriers that you see, or maybe what, what are some of the huge gaping holes in education, um, that you guys are trying to fill? I mean, I know obviously these three points, but yeah, how, how, yeah. I mean the, the biggest, most gaping <laughs> hole, I suppose, um, from my perspective is, uh, and I like to say it this way, that school does a good job of showing kids where the world has been, but a pretty terrible job of helping them get curious about where it's going. Mm. Right. So I, I think that mismatch right there is maybe the, the biggest, uh, the biggest hole in education. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, there's bureaucratic issues and political ones. And, and then, so what are some of those? It's, it's just, well, I mean, it's a, the, it's a slow moving machine. It's an incredibly slow moving machine. And the world, the world is very quickly moving and changing right now. Right. Right. So Outpacing. that mismatch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, um, that mismatch is, is only becoming more and more magnified that, um, that education can only move slow because of funding cycles, because of, 
um, political interests, because of lobbyists, because of uh, listen, it's just it's if you if you consider the the United States public education system as one big company, no company can move that quickly to yeah. to adapt to how how quickly the world is changing. But there are impediments to that that are um, that I think are financial in nature, that are special interest group in nature. That, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, but there's a lot of roadblocks to it actually solving the problems that we need to solve today. So from your perspective. It, it seems like you would say, okay, that's moving too slow. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I have this passion put on me to, um, to help meet this need. And so instead yeah. of waiting for the school board or the school system or the government to get on board, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can do to help in that area. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I see a solution and we, I see a solution that's actually, that's working when the kids that go through our program end up with these these benefits that we've sort of articulated out of the gate and it's it's really working. So when I see something like that, there's there's no other choice in, in my brain than to than to then make a run at it. Right. Um, and when I, and when you look at at history and um, and business and things along those lines, you see that it's um it's it's not that it, it, Massive innovation and change is never and will never come from from like within the 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 slow moving, uh, you know, systems that be. exactly. It's yeah. just not going to happen. There's no incentives for for the educational system to to solve <clears throat> this problem very quickly. Um, it takes an Uber. It takes a Tesla. It takes a, a company from the outside to to reason from first from first principles and, and look at it and say, listen, this is, this isn't working. Let's be agile. Let's be nimble and let's solve some real problems here. And then, and then hopefully the larger industry will, will take notice and, and start to adopt some of what we're doing. Yeah. it's awesome. And, uh, I, I saw yeah. recently, you know, I do a lot of talks on safety and keeping kids safe online. And, and I think yeah. that's one of the problems we have in this area as well is that you, we've, outpaced everything with the phone and we've, you know, obviously yeah. given kids phones too early without giving them any kind of support or resources. But I saw, I was in the, in writing the, the book, I was, uh, I was looking up new resources just like in the last month and uh, bark, which is a parenting app for people that don't know mm -hmm. that can protect your kid and send text messages mm -hmm. and all that stuff. <clears throat> they, they came out with a Samsung bark phone in the last like couple months. And I didn't realize okay. that it just happened so quick, Yeah, but it's like, that's the sad part, right? Is that, there's the suicide rate, the self-harm rate, the depression, the anxiety, the addiction is so high that these companies are like, oh, well, there's a market, you know, for protecting kids. And, but the market had to be big enough for the product to come out. Does that make sense? So yeah. And, yeah, I, I and again, it. I'm not saying that, you know, whatever, I don't know Samsung's heart, but it's not a, uh, it wasn't out of the kindness of their heart. It's not altruistic. Yeah, so exactly. But there's a market to be made money on here. Yeah. If it was altruistic, then we'd go, Hey, when we, when we start this phone, we need to have all the safety things in place at the same time, because we're more concerned Absolutely. about the product Absolutely. helping our culture yeah. versus making profit. Yeah. I mean, listen, like it's no coincidence that, that Steve jobs and the Facebook executives don't let their kids use this technology. Right. Um, it, it's no coincidence. And, um, if there were real altruism in, in the world, there'd be stricter controls. There, there would be there'd be a lot more done to 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 make these devices not babysitters for kids. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> and very dangerous, abusive babysitters at that. Completely. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are some of the things uh, that would that with giant leaps? The benefits that you're seeing, you know, you talked about global awareness, self awareness, and critical thinking. Yeah. In what ways do you see those playing out in the kids that you're helping? And how would that be? Yeah. How would you like to see that kind of go into our culture? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of from that's really recent right now. Um, one of the first students, so we've only been around for maybe about two and a half years or so. And in that time, we've, we've done a number, a number of like pilot programs and had, had kids go through the program. And we've only really commercially launched, I don't know, eight months ago or so. So we're still new. Yep. But um, early on, in one of the early pilot program students that went through the program sent me a text message just two weeks ago and um she just got into a number of like her like top pick colleges and one of them was uc davis and she she texted me and she was super super excited to share and she said thank you thank you 
I think that Giant Leaps had a uh, played a massive role in me getting um, in in me getting into college, and it was about her standing out in her college essays, and I thought that was amazing. And the the deeper conversation is what we what we showed her or what we gave her was a different perspective on the world, an ability to ask really interesting questions and see herself in a different light. And that, that came through in her, it was a differentiator for her because, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of 4.0 or 4 point plus students that are doing volunteer work and they're doing a lot of the same things, right? And colleges are looking at, at, at them and saying, well, how do we pick between these kids? And our program is a, is a solution to that. It gives, it gives kids a real foundation of confidence, uh, a, a real foundation of perspective of who they are. And let's forget that because that's sort of feeding into the machine of education, right? Like getting a kid into college, but that's a, that's a great benefit. Really what we want to do with these kids and what, what our program does do, I think at this point it's 85% of the kids who have gone through our program have self-reported lower anxiety um, when they complete than when they started. Awesome. That wasn't an even an intended benefit. It's right. just it's a, a cool side effect. Um, <clears throat> so what we help them do is see themselves. We want to we we help them see what the future, see around the corners into the future, and then paint a picture of themselves as a successful leader in that future. We want to get them asking better questions about. I know my strengths. I know my interests. How can I apply this to to uh, to realize the vision that I have for myself. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. The, uh, another massive thing for us is, um, is we really want it. We want our program to be a catalyst for, uh, for harmony is not the right word, but let's use it. Um, harmony or better relationships at home is one of the things that, that we see is often high school kids and kids in general, the communication at home it can can be really charged. It can be especially when there's when you're talking about grades, when you're talking about logistics. Like, did you finish your college applications? Did, did you do your homework? How was school today? What'd you learn? Kids tend to really shut down in those conversations. So what we do is we give them avenues to connect on non-charged topics and allow them to develop these these incredible like bonds and. Um, uh, pathways to, to communicate, um, which is really beautiful to watch. Yeah. So they do that with their parents. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, so what, what we do is we ask them to bring home a question every week that, that we give them a prompt every week that they have to discuss with their parents and, the, and their family. Um, and it open and it, it forces them to, to develop this muscle of, of having conversations that are not, that are blue sky, that are interesting and that are not about logistics, that are not about things that are going to make somebody shut down. That's good. Um, man. Yeah, it's, yes. it's it's really cool. Yeah, I see that a lot in uh you know the when you said blue sky, you know it's like kids need that space to mm -hmm. question and ask. Uh I did a talk Monday at a school <clears throat> and we talked about technology and social media and the consequences yeah. and all this stuff and yesterday I went back to talk to the younger kids and the teachers were like, oh man, there was a buzz in class all day. Everybody's arguing and debating and mad at you. And, you know, so I went back yeah. today and, and I was going to do a talk and I had like 45 minutes and instead I just opened the floor for questions. Mm -hmm. And so I just let them ask everything I love and just it. navigated with them through like, let's get to what I'm actually saying versus yeah. what you hear. I love that. And, and so it was so that. fun. And at the end of it, you could see like they were nodding and I was like, okay, anymore, you know, yeah. have we, and I think as parents, we forget that we forget that our kids need just open space without pressure, without getting squashed, without being told, man, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Or without it always being around like works based love, right? Like, did you do your homework? Mm -hmm. Did you make good grades? Did you clean exactly. your room? Did yeah. you do these things? And that automatically forces a kid into fight or flight, whether parents know it or not, because they're exactly automatically yeah. going, man, my love, you know, the parent might not be meaning to say this, but what they're communicating is our relationship is predicated on you doing what I need you to do. Precisely. Um, and I'm going to yeah. be happy or not happy, depending on if you follow, you know, got the task list done. And I Absolutely. think it's beautiful what you're, what you're doing, Michael, because I've been telling parents for the last year, you know, 
if you want your kid to be successful in college, it's not going to be their master's degree or their bachelor's degree or their GPA. Right. Or it's right. going to be this stuff that they're emotionally intelligent, spiritually yeah. intelligent, and that they can have conversations with one another. So I think it, yeah. what you're doing is beautiful. And I think it's Thank a you. huge need, man. I think, you know, it's going to yeah. be blessed and grow and important. Yeah. It's awesome. And there's this concept of discourse that's really built into the, Ooh. into the program very, very with a lot of depth. And, I feel like that's really missing from society. Yes. Today, talk about right? that man. Preach. Yeah. So the, the ability to hold a differing opinion from somebody and remain curious in the conversation, you know, I have, I have friends, colleagues that I don't agree with all their, their stances, their political positions or their, their religious positions, but I can be curious. I can be empathetic and we can have a real discussion where my goal is to learn about them and about their positions and just generally learn. Right. Um, and I think too, all too often today, um, we, we, society comes from a position or from a place of wanting to defend their position before they've even heard the other side, right? Mm. So what we do in our program is we, we help these kids develop this muscle of discourse, and it really is. Um, so, so, and that's what we, we want them to practice that at home in a safe space. So we give them prompts that, that are sort of, that are engaging and maybe challenging on some level that we hope there are differing opinions between the kid and the, and the parent. And we give them guide rails and lessons and tools on how to, on how to remain curious in those conversations, things to ask, things to look for. Um, what did you learn from that conversation? What did you, what did you hope to learn? Um, and that's, um, yeah, that's built into the program. And I think it's just so important to teach a kid and to, to, to have it start at home as well, you know, yeah, I'll give you, a, I'll give ahead. you a quick quote if I could. <clears throat> yeah, please. Um, or a quick uh, sort of mini case study. So one of the earliest, actually it was Sasha, <laughs> Sasha who, who texted me about her acceptance, her and her father, they're the amazing people, both really, really smart, very, very stubborn. Um, and they had a, maybe a bit of a contentious relationship, just two smart, stubborn people, just, you know, butting heads and she's a high school girl. Right. Um, uh, after a couple of weeks in the program, one of the things that she said to me was, I loved going back to my dad every week and asking him all these questions about, about things that he loves to talk about. And they really engaged on that. And then on her father's side, at the end of the program, he sent, he sent us a testimonial. He said something to the effect, and I won't be able to, to quote it exactly, but I loved engaging with my daughter every week and seeing, I saw a side of her maturity that I hadn't been able to see before. And for that, I'm forever grateful. It was like that, that, that right there is like, that's the gold, right? That that's like, that's a benefit of the program. That's really difficult to articulate in like a, in a bullet point. But yeah. what we created <clears throat> was a pathway for this, for this father and daughter to connect and start to build a relationship while giving them both really amazing skills that they can use forever and outside this relationship. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think what's hard for you is that what you're doing is educationally therapeutic. So you're, you're using tools, you're fitting this interesting niche and I'm just thinking about it like, while well, I'm talking, but like yeah. you're yeah. fitting this interesting niche where what you're talking about is stuff I teach people every day in therapy because no one's taught them how to do that in their family system. Right. And so, right. but you're, you're shaping it into an educational realm and, and, and going, <clears throat> if the school's not going to teach emotional intelligence, if the school's not going to teach self-awareness, if the school's not going to teach these, these are as important, if not more important than if they can do math and science. Very much. So. And we've yeah. moved from that industrial revolution kind of survival mechanism, fight or flight, or, you know, just in our culture and our country of, especially America, of mm -hmm. you've got to no math and you've got to no science or you're not going to make any money and have no career and not be successful. Yeah. And we yeah. completely, you know, depleted our resources when it comes to all the arts and the, the things that you're talking about. That's, that's right. Yeah. And so, but now we live in a totally different society that mm -hmm. you can actually make money playing guitar. You can mm -hmm. make these things. And I, I hope to, I hope to God that we're switching our idea. Although it is a, again, like you said, it's, it's moving a, you know, turning a barge, but w the definition of success and what you're describing is hard to quantify, right? It's hard to go. Um, when a company comes in and goes, we want to, you know, we want to pay you money, but we need you to be an evidence-based practice. <laughs> right, right. Right. Which is, I'm not saying it's not important, mm -hmm. but the, their definition for success 
is still skewed on those other things that we talked about, those outcomes that are measurable. How good did you do? How many grades did you make? How much did you show up? Yeah. And none of yeah. those things actually deal with, is your relationship better? You right. Know, are, do you feel it more Absolutely. peace? Like, you know, are you yeah. more content in yeah. life? It's like, you That's can't right. possibly be content if you're not making six figures, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree completely. And, and listen, we give, we give kids access and to this through the lens of what I think is a really engaging uh, topic, you know, like this sort of this interesting future, right? So everything, everything from us is through this lens of the world is changing quickly. Let's explore that. It's it because it's going to be interesting, and that's what we really want f- kids to feel is this curiosity, and this awe and wonder about the future, be- because I think all too often the message that they get mm-hmm. is that it's the the future is scary, and that's the that's the exact opposite of what we want to program, and I and I mean that very like literally <laughs> like we we really want to <coughs> program that out of them, yeah. because yeah sure. Um, I, I mean, who hasn't heard of chat GPT these days and, and let, you know, an AI and, and seeing what's happening in, in industries right now, you can choose to be scared about it, or you can choose to be really curious and interested and look for the opportunities in, in how it's changing, how we live, learn and work. So for those of us who don't know what those things are, talk yeah. to me through, cause that's what I, that's one of the things that I was, as I, you know, listening to your Ted talk and also yeah. uh, read on your website and Facebook page and all that stuff. Talk to me a little bit about for the people who don't know, I mean, I think more people are, you know, understand AI, but we'll get to that in a second, but talk mm-hmm. about kind of chat GBT's AI and maybe one or two of the other things that you see coming in the future that the boomer or the Zennial, whatever I am, you know, yeah. us, and then the older millennials maybe aren't even remotely ready for because they're, they're not even thinking about it. So can you talk about that stuff for a minute? Absolutely. I I believe, and a lot of, uh, a lot of futurists believe that we are really very much on the precipice of something very massive right now. Um, and can you define futurist for me real quick? Yeah. I mean, somebody who is just interested in the forces at work that are changing the, the future, you know, the technologies, generally speaking. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, uh, and who makes a study of it, I suppose. And that's, I would certainly consider myself that. Yeah. Um, so I'd been asking myself for a year up, up, up until before, well, before November, and I'll tell you why it's an important date, but before then I'd been asking myself for years, what's going to be coming next. That's going to have as much or as significant as an, uh, of an impact as the iPhone did. Mm. Right. And you think about what the iPhone did, it democratized information. Let's call it the iPhone. It really the smartphone, but that was like the first commercial version that ever, you know, it just exploded, um, exploded things. Before that, and, that, and it's really the mobile internet. Before that, um, the access to information was not democratized. You either had to have a computer, you had to have access in various ways. You go to a library. It was it was more spread out and unstructured. And now with the with the smartphone, everybody has the same access to information as everybody else on some level. 92, 93% of the world's population has mobile internet or smartphone. Mm. Um, it's crazy. It's a massive shift in just a few, in 16 years that happened. It went from nobody to everybody having 2007. That, right? That's right, that's right, that's a banner date. <laughs> and the, the question I'd been asking myself was what's <clears throat> next? What's going to have as, as significant of an impact and I'd been looking at things to your to your question. I'd been looking at things like genetic engineering, life extension. Um, you know, there's people spending billions on reversing aging right now and curing aging, and they're making a lot of progress, which is kind of freaky, but it's here. Um, uh, things like virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, autonomous driving, all, all these uh, all these tech, 3D printing, all these technologies that are sort of poised to to shift the landscape. Cryptocurrency. It's a massive one. It's kind of like you know, a mess right now, yeah. but it's, I, it's not <clears throat> a smart move to think that that's going away right. at any time. Its implementation currently is, is a little bit broken. It's not going away um, in any case. So NF- I've been asking- NFTs, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, these things are here. They're going to they're, they're gonna be figured out, <laughs> right? Um, and so I've been asking for a long time what's coming next. And I think in November, I got my answer and that was- 
when ChatGPT uh, exploded. That's so. What what that is? It's a large language model. It's a, it's at, at its most simplest form. If if the iPhone democratized access to information, ChatGPT and things along those lines democratized access to artificial intelligence. Mm. We did. We, you if you were a computer scientist, you had access to this this technology for a while, but it was sort of like in the shadows or. You know, you need you needed to be technical to use it, and now everybody and their mother is using ChatGPT to craft emails, to write speeches, to to uh, to do art, <laughs> to do create art, to write to write story, to write children's book. I mean, it's it's absolutely out of control how quickly it went from zero to two thousand miles an hour, and um, so tell me how that yeah. works. Give me give me just a simple, let's use children children's books. So so. What yeah. happens? <clears throat> so, I mean, you, you fire up ChatGPT, right? And there's a free version and a paid version. And um, you an fire app. it up and it, it's just a website. Yeah, through yeah. OpenAI. Yeah, it's just a website. Um, and I mean, it's an app built into a website. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. Just, a, just a website. You log on and, um, and you just like, you can start with typing a prompt. Write me a 200, um, write me a, a, a 500 word children's book about X and it will spit it out. Now, here's the thing. Um, where we're going with this, with, with this space is, you know, any, anybody can ask it to do something and they're going to get a result. The, the thing that's really, really important to understand is the better question that you ask it, the better result you're going to get, right? So this is, this is the new calculator. Um, this is going to replace search engines. This is going to replace a lot of, a lot of interesting things, but the skill to develop around this is what they call prompt engineering. How do you whisper to this sort of magical, magical technology and get back what you want? Or, um, and, and that's, that's the skill that, that I think, um, young people and anybody who's really interested in this space should be developing right now. Yeah. I think the difficulty, <clears throat> the difficulty for people and it always has been, um, which I love that you're filling this space mm. is like, they don't see the utility in it or it seems kind of crazy yeah. and we're still stuck back. Man, it's so interesting to talk about, but it's like the most of the people who have any ability to do anything about it, their timeline for all this is the last 10 years, right? The last six, right. 16 right. years, I think we said with 2007. So their it, experience on earth, yeah, but their experience yeah. on the earth is so slow, mm -hmm. but like right. the kids that I just talked to today in high school, they know how fast it is. So they want to know these things because it, they know it's going to like, they, their experience has been everything in their life shifting every year, you know, every yeah. two years, man, their whole childhood, they're not like, yeah. Oh, we went from this to this and it went, it happened really fast. That's just life for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, you're in this, I mean, amazing niche, but also I think, uh, it's going to be something that you're ahead of. And I think it's going to be really, really awesome, yeah. man, because you're right. Like, even as you say this to me, I'm like, I mean, I know what that is personally, but I know the people listening to this are like, what, you know, like that's insane. And the, also the how is that going to help anything? And that's the question, right? That's right. That's, that's right. You know, like the, the thing is it's, um, there's, there's very few use cases that you can't come up with it with a, a, a use for like, you could say, I have, I have these 10 things in my refrigerator. <laughs> Give me, give me five ideas or write, write me a recipe to use these things and you're, you're going to get something usable. Um, it could, uh, it's been used in legal situations right now. Like, um, I, I don't know if this happened yet or was being worked on. It was the, the first time an AI was going to be used to defend a, um, a human in court. Um, when, you, when you think about, imagine a lawyer using AI that has access to all the case law ever written, um, do you think that person has a, a leg up over somebody who is, who doesn't have access to that? Yeah. Right? How would um, I defend this question? How would I, how would I would defend this argument based yeah. on case law? You know, absolutely. Oh, man, that's crazy. I mean, there, there's, there's so, f there are so many potential use cases. You can even go into a chat GPT and say, give me 10 ideas to use chat GPT and it'll, it'll start generating stuff and you can have a conversation with it. Now I'm keeping in mind that it's not sentient yet. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't know 
what you're saying necessarily, but but it it will you can interact with it and it has memory and history, which is absolutely wild. So if you don't like what you get back from it, ask it ask it in a different way, or say try again. Or yeah, so talk me through that. So that you know now we're getting into really blowing people's minds. So talk through you know how that shifts it shifts from that to AI to sentient, and what is the conversation early right now? I know it's not early. People have been having it yeah. for a decade. But a lot of people have no clue and it's early to them. And I think that's, again, that's yeah. part of the problem is yeah. those people like you are in tech, people in therapy, people in psychology, people in the world, like we're, we're having these conversations in our little vacuums mm -hmm. and we see it happening already and moving. And yet the, the basic world, you know, they have no clue. They think that's 40 years from now yeah. or they're thinking back to Terminator and Skynet and, you know, right. whatever. Right. So talk to me about that. Like, what do you think about that? What's what, what are, where do you think we're going in the AI sentient kind of thing and what are the pros and then what are some of the fears you have? Yeah. Um, well, this is, this is a great question and it's something that this is one of the things that we, we really have our, so we have got modules on different topics, things like AI, things like virtual reality, uh, uh, genetic engineering. And in the, in the AI module, one of the things that we really ask kids to explore is this idea of um, the challenges and the opportunities, right? So looking at, projecting forward with, with an AI that, that is as competent as a human in, or, or much more in, in a lot of tasks, what are the opportunities and what are the challenges in that space? Um, my personal views on it are, are like a lot of people like Elon and, um, and Kurzweil. Listen, we are, we are developing this technology faster than we can build the, the, the guide rails around it. Right. And I think that's really dangerous um, because, listen, when you look at the when you look at what Congress looks like, what the Senate looks like, what the lawmakers look like, they don't understand this stuff. Mm -hmm. They can't. Our, our politicians don't understand this stuff and they're being tasked with with building laws around it and protections around it. Um, it is certain it's it's certainly not the people developing it that are most focused on the safety of it right. just by design by design right yeah, they're um, risk -takers. Had, yeah you know i mean they're they're trying to push the envelope of what it can do and and hopefully there's people around that are that are saying well listen if you solve that problem if you if you get it to do what you want it to do how does that impact the rest of the world or how does that impact anything well right? that's what we didn't do with the phone right so yeah, one of the things sure. I'm trying to show people is like the phone went from, you know, 2006 or 2007, yeah. one night razor phone to iPhone uh -huh. the next day. And it's yeah. not like we took a small population of people and we're like, Hey, let's give them smartphones right. and let's track right. them for right. a year and see how this yeah. goes. We're, that's right. We're 13 years into it, you know, in 10 years, really into kids having it and, yeah. and at a mass level and the suicide rate and the self-harm rate and the depression and anxiety and addiction rate are all at the roof. And so it's yeah. like, we can't keep doing that. Right. And we can, we, but it's we problematic. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no way we're not, I, I don't see a way that we're not going to keep doing that. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Right. What, what I, what I see is the solution is if we, if we develop enough critical mass of people that are, that are continuing to ask those questions that aren't just accepting this stuff or these advancements as, um, as safe. That's a great way to say it, man. That's good. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it is that, um, you know, I, I've had the, the privilege to, to, uh, through this group that I belong to called Alder, it used to be called Gen Next. Um, we would have dinners, like sort of monthly dinners with some just absolutely incredible people from the director of the NSA to Adam Shire, who invented Siri, who's in your side, you know, Siri in your phone, right? He's the inventor of that. Um, to to this guy Aubrey de Grey, who um, was the the CEO of the Sens Foundation, doing the leading research on curing aging, right? Billions of dollars spent on 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 this. And the point that I want to make is, for, with all these incredible people, I always ask this question of uh, that almost what I just said to you was, if you solve what you're trying to solve, who's doing the consequential thinking around that? Yeah. Who's working on like the other side of like what happens if, and I got I never got a good answer. Because mm. you, you were that guy. guy. <laughs> I was yeah I was asking the question. Um, 
but yeah, I never got a good answer from them. You know, like Aubrey, you, okay, you've solved aging. People can now live to a thousand or indefinitely, you know, um, who solves the problem of, 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 all, well, of all the problems that, yeah, that occur from list that. a lot real quick. Right. Yeah. Right. Population so, control being one. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many. And the, the question is, there's very few people doing, doing that thinking. And that's, that's what we, that's what our program is, is designed for is to develop consequential thinkers. It's so good, man. This is um, such a niche. So that's that the only solution I can think of to, to, to solve that problem is it has to be come from the people. Yeah, you're right. Because they're not, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and uh, you know, like yeah. the, in mass, right? I mean, it's not yeah, yeah. that there aren't people like you and there aren't people who want to change that, but yeah. <clears throat> you're right. We have to mass produce healthy people. And it, you that's know, right. that's, that's your lane. And, and my lane is the same way on the psychology and the therapy and the, the protection. It's like, we have to mass produce people mm-hmm. who see the phone and see social media and see porn and see all these things as, as things that like you have to control and be really yeah. good at micromanaging or it's going to kill you and defeat you because we can't win against AI. Like we can't win against algorithms. We can't win against, That's right. it's not about how smart you are, how caring you are, how good big your heart is. Yeah. You're not going to win. Right. And so if right. you don't go into it going, I, I can't defeat this thing unless I have particular things, but you know, it's funny because I think like we're doing the same thing in totally different um, areas, but that are going to yeah. impact, I think, the two most important things that our society can do going forward. You know what I mean? Like, I know you feel that I way. I do. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You're like, if we don't yeah. do this, you guys just don't know where we're going. Yeah. And I'm saying the same thing on the other side with the mental health part. I'm like, if we don't address this as 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 bodies of people our children don't stand a chance in the next five to 10 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Completely. And it doesn't get better. It doesn't get safer. None of these things, none of these things inherently make our world better. You know, like what was the promise of, of email and computers that it would free up time so that you could, well, whatever. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that time, but has that worked for you, Clint? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So inherently these tools are not, are not, I mean, listen, we live in an age where, where, we uh, generally speaking, we have more access to healthcare and food and abundance than at any at any time in history. So I don't want to downplay like the, the the technological advancement in inherently isn't good. I don't want to downplay that because I do believe that there is a nugget of truth in there. But um, these these tools and these technologies in and of in and of themselves, um, maybe. Maybe they carry with them like a like a, a vapor of danger or um yeah, there's some hidden dangers in them. You know, well, is your, I hear your hesitancy. Is your hesitancy yeah. because there's so much pushback from the people who love that stuff and who who uh No. No, I mean I'll tell you why, because listen, my, my father and my, my family live in New Jersey, right? And if it weren't for the the smartphone I wouldn't get to see him right. as often as I do. My daughter wouldn't get to see him as often as as we do, right? We video chat, we 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 text, we call all the time, right? So so it, that technology has has created something or enabled something in, beautiful that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Yep. Right. So, um, but at the same time, it is, it can be really evil, right? It, yes. You know, um, so. No, I love There's, it. Your your whole you know intention I mean? that we're all holding is that it's yeah, it it is a. I, I say like uh, in one of the chapters in the book I was writing, I was I was talking about the difference between exposure and immersion, mm-hmm. and I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that our society hasn't figured out. Like people will push back on me about like addiction and depression and and all the things bullying, and they're like these have always happened, and I'm like yes, all of these things have happened, mm-hmm. but the tools that we now have to. Um, immerse people in these traumas and in these abuses and in these exposures mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. And so you might have, right. you know, been bullied at school on the week, you know, during the week, and then you go home on the weekend mm-hmm. and for the summer and you're not worried about it. Right. But today right. you're bullied all day long, every day on Instagram. 24 hours a day. You know, that's right. You know, you might right. have seen something inappropriate online once or, or in a magazine somewhere at somebody's house or on a VHS tape or on a movie that somebody played. Yeah. But now these kids have their phones at 10 and 12 and are looking at whatever they want to. And so it's, it's yeah. people have to understand that our, our exposure, right, is so 
immersed and that's what's shifting. Yeah. It, it, yes, it's not good to I see any that. of that, but like now they're not just seeing it, they're living in it. That's right. And so I think right. what you're trying to create is building children and, you know, teens and, and young adults that, that can live in that immersion and navigate it because that immersion's not going away. Yeah. That, you know, yes. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? It a hundred percent. It does. Okay. I completely agree. And there, it, it made me think of something that there's, there's this degree of innocence that is, that has just been erased from, from kids, mm. from generations of kids. You know what I mean? Yes. They see that at the earlier and earlier ages, they see things and are exposed to things that 30 years ago, they just wouldn't have, yep. they would have remained innocent for a lot, for a lot longer. And, and maybe that's healthier. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it may be. Um, but if, if we can't, if we can't give them back innocence, we can at least give them confidence and resilience and, and a stronger sense of humanity. And I think, and I, I it sounds like I, I know that's what you're doing as well. And it's certainly what we're trying to do here. I mean, it, like I, our program is a lot about technology and, and, um, and communication, but there's a, there's a big component in there that is designed to, to build this foundation of resilience against what the, what the world, you know, all the sharp edges in the world right now. And there are more and more sharp edges every day. Yeah, man. That's so good. Yeah. I love that you, you, it has such a good balance of being about technology and, and hitting your focus while at the same time building in the emotional intelligence and the relational intelligence that's going to yeah. need to like for them to have families and have lives and yeah. do a good job at work. And like, yeah. that's, that's the stuff that brings us joy and peace. It's not mm -hmm. our bank account and our, and our name on the door or whatever the thing is. Right. And right. so, I mean, that's, that's a huge shift. I think it's important. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And I think that, you know, we're opening their eyes to that. And I guess that goes back to that kind of immersion uh, exposure thing, but it's like, yeah, yeah no, I love that concept. Well, resiliency um, I was literally just talking about this, this morning to the, the group of students, but it's like, people are like, yes, you know, there's parents who are like, I hear this all the time. They're like, well, tough love because the world's not going to treat them well. So, you know, we got to prepare them for the world or, you know, let them expo you know, be exposed to this stuff because the world's going to eat them up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let's just talk about this real simple. There is a spectrum. Resiliency certainly is built in you from difficulty, mm -hmm. but if you push too far into extreme difficulty, it, it, you collapse yeah, just like it becomes trauma and yes, not, <laughs> and not just something to fight against. Exactly. And like too much comfort's great and, and you want to have peace and safety, but too much comfort kills you as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're trying to find the balance in how do we, we, or the world's not changing, right? It's yeah. or going back. It's going to continue to spiral and change. So how do we, how do we give resiliency without overexposing them to these things and making these things the problem, keeping the, the human beings at the center of the problem um, and asking great questions like, if if you answer this, I love that, if you answer this, then what about these things? And teaching kids to ask that question. Because yeah. I think, and this is just you know my thing from a Christian perspective, is that, that that's how God designed us is to look out for each other and be in relationship with each other and to ask that question. Like it can't just be Clint came up with this great idea. It can be great for me. It can make me good money and mm -hmm. to hell with whatever it does to anybody else. Mm -hmm. We have to constantly ask that question of, I am not an Island, right? That's I, I am connected that's right. to the other people. And, and in my talks, I'm like your kid seeing things online then tells my kid then exposes my kid. Like, we're all connected and we've got to move. It's so crazy, but we've got to move back from that Americanized individual focus back right. to a communal lens in all of these yeah. areas. Yeah. And the, the word we use in, in, in our program is a, a global citizen, you know, like this idea of being a global citizen. You're, you're not a, yes, you're an American and it's, it's important to, you know, to have, have these identities. And, but and yes, I live in San Diego and yes, my, you know, my, my family is, is that, that, but I'm a citizen of the world and we are all brothers and sisters here. And that is an incredibly important thing to remember um, because when it's forgotten, really bad things happen, really bad. Nothing good comes from forgetting that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Our, who we find our identity in and what we find our identity in is going to shape everything. And, and if you look yeah. at the world and life 
and, and the, and the consequences that come from finding your worth and your value in whatever your gender, your job, yeah. your ethnicity, like those things are great things, but they're not your identity. They're part of who you are. That's right. They make yeah. up they're in their beautiful, amazing parts. And those differences shouldn't be hidden or shamed. They should be looked at and, and, um, celebrated as, as a friend. But when mm-hmm. you find your identity and your worth in those things, then you lose the communal aspect because you're just so self-focused. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we've swung from a culture and a world where children, especially, were to be seen, not heard. They weren't to have an identity. They were just mm-hmm. to kind of grow up and, and provide whatever they needed to help the parents survive. Mm-hmm. And then, in psychology, we pushed really hard to the other side, which is a lot of what we That's see right, right now. Which is, <laughs> yeah. let me validate everything you think. Hearing everything you say. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. everything you saying here. And me and you talked about this at yeah. dinner, right? Yeah. And we're, yeah. you're, you're, was, that, was it your uncle? Yeah, he was yeah, my yeah. Uncle. Your yeah. uncle was like asking me, like, where's the yeah. balance? That's and, right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's yeah. what we're trying to find. So dude, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, we're going to keep connecting and I need to find a way to, uh, so send people to you. Do you have an online portion of that or is it all? In yeah, person? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, um, so it's done through one-on-one. It's always all online first okay, of all. So great. it's all online and rolling and, um, and it's done through one-on-one coaching and an online curriculum that's developed for the kids. Um, so yeah, Giant Leaps Learning. You can uh, giantleapslearning.com. You can find out more there and uh, or or connect with me. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you, Michael at Giant Leaps Learning. I'd I'd love to hear from anybody and answer some questions. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, talk to you off book about some of this stuff because we gotta find a way to sure. connect and for me to push this because, man, I I would love to send clients to you, send people to you, get people working on this stuff because it makes my job so much easier. You know, you want to do therapy, you want to work on trauma and there's people yeah. like you and pieces like, like you and coaches and different things. That's like, okay, I can't, I can't talk about all this in our session. Let's, we need to be talking right, about what we right, need to be talking right. about. Yeah. Well, thank you, it. man. I really appreciate you. I know you got a hard stop in like three minutes. So I'm going to give you that time. Um, guys okay. look him up. Um, it's going to be awesome. I think you're going to love what he has. Watch his Ted talk. It's on YouTube. Um, Broken Promise of Education. Yeah, broken Promise of Education. Look that up. Share it with your friends. I'm going to post it on our page again. Um, I posted it a couple times, but I'm going to reshare it on our stories this week. And uh, so you guys can check him out because what he's doing, if you love me and you love what I'm doing, you love our podcast, you're going to love what Michael's doing. It's in the same vein with the same heart. And um, and I hope to look up, man, in, in 10 years and, and us still be friends and us still be talking about this and see how much of an impact we've made on people's lives um, and, well. and feel like we've, we've saved some souls and some lives in this mess that we have. So thank yeah, you guys. Beautiful. God bless and uh, have a good week.